Happy Monday, everybody. We're now in the month of December. This is the injury report on WMUC Digital. I'm here in the studio with my co-host, Brad. Brad, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Ben. How was your Thanksgiving? Oh, I really appreciate you asking me that. Uh, I had a very nice Thanksgiving. Uh, my grandparents, mom's parents, came to <clears throat> town. Lovely. We had a, a lovely Thanksgiving meal, watched a lot of sports this weekend, hung there out. Were, it, was, it was a good weekend for sports, which, of course, we will talk about in the injury report. Well, not if not if you're an NFC East fan, but uh, <laughs> that is most certainly uh, true. That is a uh, I don't know, maybe a backhanded shout out to our absent co-host Anthony Valdez. Uh, you know, keep saving the world, kiddo. We miss you, Anthony. But um, Brad, you want to go through a couple of uh, housekeeping items? Yeah. So as you guys, I'm sure know by now, um, you can find us on Instagram at the Injury Report UMD. Um, we will probably be in the we are in the process of working on Twitter. Get excited! We so are. That, we're, we're doing. We're doing some uh, test audiences and such. But the uh, we're we're hoping the Twitter should be up by year's end. Yeah, we're, but before we go away for break, so that way you know, if, if we can't do a podcast over over winter break, you can at least follow us on Twitter. We'll we'll be sure to give you some some uh, some takes on there. Um, and of course, you can email us with any questions you have uh, at theinjuryreport at gmail dot com. Those are those are the, are the main housekeeping items I got for you today, Ben. Did you want to uh, say a couple more things about Thanksgiving? Yeah, I mean, just a great holiday. Like, you know, I got to go back to New England, and it's just the fall in New England, the the crisp air, there's really nothing like it. Uh, unfortunately, yesterday I had some problems at the airport. Planes were canceled because of the snow, but, you know, nothing, nothing wrong with some snow. Crisp air uh, in New England definitely wouldn't, you know, want that taken out of anything, uh, no. like like a football you or anything never, like you that. Would, well, it would have it automatically because of the cold, but, you know, that's... Right. Ben doesn't understand science, so we'll leave it at that. No, I, I am a business major. We'll, yep. we'll leave that to, to Jillian. So, should we talk about the Terps? So, yes, we are going to talk about the Terps. Uh, Brad, I think you wanted to get a couple things off your yeah, chest first so about I that th- performance. Yeah, I think that this was the best game. I think almost certainly the best game Maryland has played all season. I mean, we came out, we first forced a ton of turnovers. Defense looked incredible, especially in the first half. Defense was on fire. I, I, I mean, unfortunately, just, they just couldn't get the win. Michigan State was too much. Yeah, I... Uh, oh, we're talking football. Yeah, was that not clear by the, how I opened the show there? I am... Um, well, let me just... B- before we get into the analysis, um, for, fortunately, I, di- I didn't watch too much of that game. We will and, talk about, uh, I'm setting a timer. We have one minute. Perfect. I, I'm thrilled that this is the last time we're going to be talking about Maryland football this season. Um, I was shocked. I... <laughs> I I was watching uh that was that was the three thirty game, so I was watching the Iron Bowl. Smart and, smart boy. Yeah, watching the Iron Bowl and, and that uh Wisconsin game. And I looked at the score and I saw Maryland was winning and then they went down again and then they were winning again. Um and that is when's the last time Maryland had a lead? I don't know. It, if, we if hadn't you know had a lead since since Rutgers. Was it really that long? October. Ago? So yep, uh I looked yeah. I, I my dad actually asked me that exact question and I looked it up. We had not led since the end of the Rutgers game. I, I mean, I, I completely believe that, um, you know, I think the only thing to talk about this game is that, well, well one, Michigan State is not good. Yes, that is for um, sure. And that's apparent. I think, you know, I was joking with my dad this weekend about, we were talking about the Ohio State-Michigan game, which we're going to get to later, and he said, you know, Michigan only beat Maryland like 37-7, so I think that's kind of telling about the quality <laughs> yeah. the quality of your team is how badly you beat Maryland, but... Mm-hmm. Um, you see any positives to to take into the off season and and uh, twenty twenty? I mean, po- I don't know if I'd go so far as to say that I saw positives, but there, this game did not look as bad as the past few games, which I think is which I think has to be a positive. I mean, if you're a recruit and you look at the last game Maryland played, you at least won't see us getting stomped by Ohio State or Nebraska at home on you know Senior Day. 
So, I, I, you know, I mean, the defense actually didn't look terrible. Uh, they had they forced a couple of picks. Again, Michigan State is nowhere near the program it was a couple of years ago. But uh, other than, you know, just the thankfully it wasn't a complete disgrace, there's not much to build on. No, and uh, yeah, I, I think we can leave it at that. We'll we'll keep you posted on the recruits that inevitably transfer from Maryland or, or decommit. Um, I... I think we could be due for for a rough couple of months uh, in Maryland football, but we're gonna we're gonna go to the exciting college football talk a little bit later. But first, we want to talk about your number three ranked Ooh. Maryland Terrapins. The new AP poll came out today. Three, as in two in between two and four. Yes, that again, is incredible. We are we are by no means science or math majors uh, on this show, but Gotta yes, check. number three, uh, only behind the Kansas Jayhawks and Louisville the Louisville Cardinals. Cardinals. So uh, let, let's talk about Maryland for, for a little bit. We want to spend a, a good chunk of our show discussing the Terrapins. They played in Orlando this past week at the Orlando Invitational. They were the only ranked team at this tournament, however, came away uh, with three wins in the Orlando Championship. So Brad, let's let's hear some of your takeaways from, yeah, so uh, this, from this weekend. This tournament really was a, a tale of three games, or rather, rather Two game, two types of games. Mm-hmm. Opened up the tournament against Temple, um, won that game by seven, uh, and then played Harvard and won that game by seven as well. Neither of those games was I even remotely confident in the team. We were down at half and at both games, and really had to fight and claw. And it, we really we played down to our opponent. I mean, we, we were both skeptical when we saw the rankings a couple weeks ago of Maryland at five, and we said, I don't know, if this is a top five team in the country. And if you only watched the Temple and Harvard game, you would say maybe Maryland isn't even a top 20 team in the country. I mean, these Temple and Harvard are teams that, that will not, not be ranked all season and shouldn't be. And we could barely compete with them and had to claw out games at the end, really getting bailed out by Anthony Cowan, who was your NCAA uh, player of the week uh, and tournament MVP. Well-deserved. Oh, absolutely well-deserved. But I mean, if it weren't for him hitting some clutch, clutch shots in those two games, I don't know that we even, we even win. And then you get to Marquette. And if you watch the game, you would you would not have recognized this team. I think it might be the best game I've seen Maryland play at my time here. Certainly, I would say the best half. The first half of that game, the defense is incredible. The hustle, I had never seen a Mark Turgeon team hustle, you know, go after loose balls like they did at, the, at that first half. I mean, it, a lot, a lot of impressive things. What, would you agree, Ben? Uh, I I like a lot of the things you said right there. Those, those first two games, um, you know, it's it, it was really nice to see uh, you know, we we spent a lot of time, uh, you know, criticizing Mark Turgeon on this program, and uh, I do still think a lot of that criticism is justified, and, and there are a lot of things that need to be fixed going forward, and we're going to talk about um, that in a minute, talking about you know what that team, positives though, what that team needs to do to really be able to to make that jump, and you know, from from number three to um, a bona fide championship contender. I was, for one, thrilled the way they came out uh, in this half uh, against Marquette, outscoring. I mean, they were up, they doubled they were Marquette up like in the first half. They were up at halftime, 40, right? 42-21. <clears throat> um, and then they did just what they, you know, they needed to do in that second half. Um, the Marquette came out in a zone, which yep. the Terps have struggled to to break all year, and a large part of that is the lack of three point or the lack of accurate three yeah, point th- shooting. Yeah, we we have been shooting more than enough three point shots, and they finally started to drop. And even though it it felt that way, I think what it was is that the big shots when when it seemed like Marquette may be creeping back into the game, uh, the shots were falling. The 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 percentages 
uh, from this weekend were still, you know, lackluster for for a team that that really should probably be in the low 40s, mm-hmm. shooting in the in the in the mid 30s, even uh, in the Marquette game, shot 34 and a half yeah. for three. Um, but what, one thing that I was really impressed with that you kind of mentioned there was that Maryland f- actually fought back. They were, you know, we were up 20 at halftime, but then, the, you know, Marquette actually cut the lead to, I believe, 10 or 11. And, it lo- you know, Mark Trishan called a timeout, actually settled the team down, and we were able to go out on another 7-0 run and open the lead right back up and, you know, stop on Marquette and not really give them a chance. Whereas I have seen Maryland teams in the past be up 15 points, let the other team go on a 10-0 run, and they, they just roll over and die. So I was really, really impressed that they were able to get get that spark back. And I think a lot of that comes from Anthony Cowan, who, I mean, I think I mean, was hitting shots from, from, from you know, Magic Kingdom. It seemed like it was really, really impressive. He actually had that written down on his uh, on his outline here, but <laughs> no, Cowan Cowan was showing some some real range, and um, you know, as Maryland fans, we all love Anthony Cowan, and uh, you know, was disappointed last year to see that he was considering testing the NBA waters and uh, questions about his size. But I think what what this weekend really proved is that um where he may lack in size he absolutely makes up for in in leadership and playmaking and big shot uh making ability uh he really is the heart and soul of that team and and uh let's let's run through some of the other performances who who else would you say stood out to you i have one uh i mean i I think i know who you're gonna say and that's daryl morcel yeah first double double uh of his career and he was every place he was the the defense on marcus howard for those of you who don't know um, people are saying is going to be a pretty high NBA draft pick. Uh, in the, not, yeah, maybe not top ten, but he's also an undersized guy high. like uh, like yeah, Howard, the, the, but a little reminiscent of someone like Carson Edwards, who has tremendous scoring. Also, this uh, he averaged forty five points per game in the first two games of this tournament, in, including a fifty point game. So yeah, so so he's he's he was incredible, and we held him to what was six points for the entire game. And yeah, I think it was that, that six a, points a huge, on one for twelve uh, shooting. Incredible! I think a huge part of that was you know, which doesn't show up in the box score. Obviously, was was Marcel, um, Ayala, and Wiggins all kind of put in turns, face guarding him, not giving him any space to shoot, not giving him any space to drive, and helping really well when he did get in the lane. And I think that Marcel really, you know, he's been the glue guy all year. Got to start this game. I think he was a big, big part of that. I was. Uh, I, I think one. One yeah element of the game where you absolutely have to tip your hat to Turgeon was the the trust he gave to some of his uh, you know players to play Howard yeah. uh, you know in a man kind of position and and they did some some interesting things where they would kind of take away the three point shot and you know he he didn't make a three pointer uh, that day and then uh, you know close out tight uh, around the arc and then let one of the bigs like Mitchell or Smith contest the kind of floater layup um, so yeah. I. I I think we have to give a lot of credit to Turgeon there. I Absolutely. think their defensive pl- uh, game plan was sound, but yeah. um, a huge uh, huge shout out to Marcel for the individual defense he played. Also got some uh, some great minutes from Aaron Andrew uh, Anthony Wiggins. <laughs> yeah, uh, also I would say the freshman played pretty well too. Both Mitchell twins um, Scott getting good minutes, and Scott Scott had a couple had a huge three and a huge dunk uh, at times when we really needed points, and I was impressed by their ability as freshmen to come into what what is the biggest game of their career thus far and perform like that. So where do the Terps go from here? Where do the Terps go from here? So, uh, well, I mean, the, you know, the short answer is back to College Park, yep. but <laughs> uh, where College Park is on fire and uh, really excited. We have we have two big games uh, this week. And I, why don't we use this opportunity? We'll kind of preview these games and, and say what they need to do uh, to be successful in these games going forward, takeaways from Orlando. So for me... Uh, I think there's two things. It's it's hard to coach 
good three-point shooting. Uh, I feel like the Terps are getting a lot of quality looks and the shots just aren't falling. Yep. So, you know, stay in the gym, keep trusting your shot is what I would be telling telling the guys. And um, I really expect, you know... I, like when, when Wiggins is just feeling it and he goes out, he can shoot as well as Harder or any of the other guys we've seen come through through College Park in the past few years. I mean, he is he's a, a, a lights-out shooter when he's feeling it and when he's confident. But there's times when you'll see him come off a screen and he'll be hesitant to shoot. And that's, I think, when the team gets in trouble and credit the Turgeon for encouraging them to just keep shooting until he finally found his stroke. Yeah, I mean, right now, this this on the season, the team's shooting 31.6%. Uh, percent, and, uh, you know, a lot of that, they did shoot a little bit better than that in Orlando. There were some really slow starts uh, in, in the earlier season, Holy Cross, Oakland, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm really not as concerned about the quality of looks. Like I said, I think they just need to keep shooting. And um, I trust in guys like... Uh, Ayala, Wiggins, Marcel, and and Smith to to find their strokes uh, down the stretch. The yeah, the, that's a, that's the, the coachable, um, you know, element of their game that really needs to improve is uh, for me is just and and it comes with playing more basketball. This this still is as as we talked about a lot of freshmen on mm-hmm. this team. Uh, I think is the pace of play and as a result of that the turnovers. Uh, we saw tons of travels. We saw passes thrown out of bounds where there seemed to be lack of communication. Yeah. Especially um, in the first halves of both of the of the Temple and um, Harvard games. Right. They And, and they cleaned it up. Uh, the, the first half against uh, Marquette was, was phenomenal, as, as, uh, as we said. But, yeah, lots of turnovers. Um, and if, if they're going to be able to compete with, with these teams, and I, I think they're going to get their best test of the season versus uh, Illinois later this week. I, I expect us to take care of Notre Dame. Um, but this is my, my key to these two next two fight week games is we have to start like we started in the Marquette game. Sure. If we come out against Notre Dame and play with that intensity for 15 minutes, we will be up 25 points over Notre Dame, and that game will essentially be over. Absolutely. If, if we come out like we did against Harvard, we would be down 15 points at half, and it, we could very, very well lose. So right. I think that is the question is, can Mark Turgeon get his teams to play for what might not be on paper the biggest game of their season? Yeah, and and again, I, I don't know how you, you get your players to, to make these shots. We'll, we'll see what kind of defensive looks. I know Notre Dame is, is known for, for playing a little zone. zone yeah. uh, Illinois plays a little faster, some, some more man-to-man, so... Um, but it, but expected to see a lot of different looks. So yeah, if you um, want to if you want to watch a fun basketball game, tune in. The college park will be buzzing for these games too, with the number three team in the country. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm really excited to. I hope the students show out. I, I'm expecting. Uh, will you be there, Ben? Can you give me your guarantee? I'll be there uh, for the Illinois game. Right. I, have, I have a final uh, the the day the morning should after. Should be illegal. The, yeah, it should be illegal. I'll I'll make sure to tell my professor that. But I. Uh, I'm going to read you three numbers, and you're going to have to... I'll give you a couple players. Okay. 25%. He's he's a starter. On Maryland. Yeah. Which which player is shooting 25% from three? Uh, Smith. No. Smith is shooting 13%. Okay. He does shoot way too many threes. Yeah. that's And that and that is something I'm, I'm 20, wondering if... He, he gives me a little bit of... You know, I like his ability to, quote-unquote, stretch the floor, but... You know, thirteen percent from three. It doesn't look like uh, that may be in his life. Yeah, hold him, hold him to one a game. If he makes it, give him another run. But right, um, uh, maybe Ayala. Ayala, Ayala, yeah. who is I think is considered to be probably the best best three point shooter on this team. Maybe Wiggins. Well, Wiggins, Wiggins is sitting at thirty one point one. I'm just shocked that that due to his volume, Anthony Cowan is shooting forty two percent. I mean, those are, I mean, that's all American type Absolutely. numbers. So. Uh, 
I'm sh- I I expect that to go down, and I expect Ayala and Wiggins. And he, um, was, I mean, kind of wasn't just shooting three; he was shooting threes in people's faces, like from he, beyond NBA. Range. Yeah, he was really feeling it, and it, it's a it, it's a beautiful thing to watch. So, uh, like we said, two two big games this week, um, and and this is really exciting. I'm going to tie this into to some of the other big college basketball games. So, our our game versus Notre Dame is part of the Big Ten. ACC Challenge, which is going to feature some some what a huge... beautiful transition, Ben. This Thank is... you. It's it's going to feature some some huge matchups this week. Um, Michigan coming off two wins versus uh, top ten opponents in UNC and Gonzaga at their uh, <clears throat> Battle for Atlantis tournament in the Bahamas, move up to four, so go from unranked to number four. They face off versus newly crowned number one Louisville. Yeah, that game I believe is the same time as the Maryland game. Uh, I think Wednesday it might be seven thirty. So. Uh, maybe they spread those out. No, I think the that game is Tuesday. Oh, it's Tuesday. Okay, that's that's the Tuesday. But either way, one. the winner of that game I think has to be the new number one seed. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You also have a, a big game. You have Ohio State. Uh, they're playing. I think it is not. Um, who's who's the other? Ohio State is playing. Um, uh, top of my head, I can't. Mich- no. Uh, not uh, UNC. UNC. Yeah. Yeah. So they play UNC, and then you have a. Uh, Duke Michigan State matchup. Yeah, that's, that's what I was let's of. let's spend a little bit of time talking. Duke dropping uh, their first their first game versus a non conference opponent at home in about twenty years. Yeah, since Coach two thousand. Uh, you know he was hurt. He was in, in fairness, Coach K was injured. Well, he was sick. He had some tummy issues. Just like me. That, that was a really right interesting now. comment. I I don't know what he. I mean, if it's the truth, and I, I don't know why he would lie about something like that. It's, it's just. Odd. It's just it's just kind of a, a weird look, and they saw Stanley get injured uh, yeah. in that game. But but what a performance by Stephen F. Austin! And- it, it, to me, that really was similar to the Kentucky Evansville game. Was a seniors versus freshman game. The guys from Duke, you know Duke had nobody nobody wanted the ball at the end of the game there for Duke. Whereas for SF Austin, you know a team that is really a bunch of juniors and seniors who have had experience in, in close games, obviously not against uh, you know a, a team the Cal. A, Duke's caliber, but have had you know played in close games and know how to, the the intensity it takes to win in overtime. Whereas Duke's playing you know primarily a lot of freshmen, a lot of young kids who haven't had minutes before, uh, and it, and it showed in that game with, with Duke you know really struggling to find any offense in overtime. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, were were there any other thoughts you wanted to to wrap up the week win for college basketball? Yeah, I mean, I think that the week? only the other interesting thing that we saw was, was Michigan State uh, dropping a game to Virginia Tech. Right. I I mean you know. They came back and, and rebounded well against the uh, University of Georgia and UCLA, uh, with both with two pretty convincing wins there. But they seem to struggle against the Virginia Tech team that sh- shot the three really well. And that may, be, I mean, Maryland will play Michigan State twice this year. Shooting threes might be the key to winning those games. Uh, yeah, and and we'll. Uh, I'm really interested to see. I mean, that that team has so much veteran leadership, which you know you would think is similar. Similar in a bit to, to what Callen's yeah. able to bring to the table for Maryland, but um, I worry that sometimes Winston may be on another level. So Big Ten has a ton of talent this year. Uh, Michigan State, Ohio State, now Michigan, Maryland, Purdue, Illinois, we'll big, Penn State. So, you think we'll win a Big Ten tournament game for the first time in forever? Uh, boy, well, hopefully play ourselves into the double bye and maybe go up against uh, No, because we'll still probably play like Penn, we'll State, Penn State or State Illinois. Or Northwestern or and, something, yeah. So... Far from a guarantee. Uh, with but, that, uh, an encouraging start to the season. Uh, this is all he could ask for. Back, back to Thanksgiving. We're going to rewind a little bit, recap some of the the, the action from the NFL this le- uh, mm. this past week. We had three Thanksgiving games. 
Uh, Brad, you get a chance to watch them, or you're too busy stuffing yourself with turkey? Uh, I'm a bigger d'oeuvres guy. So, I, you know, I love a good appetizer. If you ask gluten my family, uh, gluten-free appetizers, of course. I walked into Thanksgiving and was upset that the appetizers weren't already on the table. So, But, you know, I, I managed. <laughs> we made it work. So I, I did my fair share of snacking and watching. Um, we can start with the first game, Bears-Lions. Uh, Bears winning that game 24-20. to 20. Um, I, I mean, both these teams really have a slim shot at the playoffs. The Lions now are even, you know, in even worse shape than they were before. They They are... They they can start thinking about what they want to do with this team. I mean, they're, they're almost in tank territory now. Pretty much. I mean, we we I think it was was it last episode or two episodes ago we talked about coaches on the hot two, seat yeah. and uh, Matt Patricia hasn't done himself any favors here. Uh, I would not be surprised if if there's a head coaching change in Detroit. I think this, you know, for for this Bears team that is still kind of clinging to to playoff life, they're the projected eighth seed right now. Uh, to I guess that's what two games out of uh out of a wild card spot yeah. um you know th- there's still a chance but uh that that was a you know not exactly a, not a convincing inspiring win. win by any means beating a third string quarterback uh by only four points let's let's move on to the next game and i, I think that the was the one. the most important game of the day and um actually i don't know what the the quote-unquote best game of the day would be it do, may have been the Falcons game do you hear that? Is that is that Valdez screaming? It's the it's the sizzling <laughs> of Jason Garrett's seed. It's, yeah. it's the coming off the So the the Bills go into to Dallas. These are two teams that kind of the knock on them this whole season has been, well, they haven't really beaten any good teams. Yep. They haven't played any good teams. And um this this was a huge game for both teams. Buffalo winds up coming away with with the big victory in Dallas. Yep. Uh kind of com- I don't want to say shutting down per se, but they, um, it was a convincing win. It was a convincing win. It, and, it it didn't look like Dallas was uh, really up for the task. I don't know if it's yeah, a short week kind offense, of thing. Dallas offense, which had been rolling for that middle part of the season, over their past two games against the Patriots and um, Bills, has just been really shut down and has has struggled to find just about anything. That said, Dallas is still in first place in the NFC East. Because nobody, literally nobody, wants to win that division. No, nobody wants to win the uh, win that division, and, and and I'm starting to feel a little bit. It's just the, the Dallas game plan. Just it it amazes me every week. I mean, Dak threw the ball almost 50 times, threw for 355 yards. Um, yeah, it goes it, back to Jason Garrett saying he doesn't like to use I mean, numbers and analytics. Right, giving Zeke 12 no carries. I mean, I understand that Buffalo is a pretty stout run defense. But he had um, 71 yards on 12 carries. I mean, what's the you know, you give him twenty carries, that's almost 150 yards he's probably gonna get. The I think that, you know, that, that trick touchdown play that, that Buffalo ran really um you know, i think that really was kind of I don't want to say a dagger necessarily, but it, it really uh you know, made it difficult for Dallas Dallas to come back and, and that's Dallas's sixth loss in nine games. Um you know, coming four days after Jerry Jones blasting the coaching staff yeah. after that, uh, you know, kind of lockdown performance New England gave. What do you, what do you, is there a chance that I think people keep floating the scenario that, that the Cowboys win the division, yet Jason Get. Garrett doesn't coach playoff game because he gets fired in week like 16 Ooh. or 17? I would love to see it. I don't know about that. I think that if they win the division but then don't win a playoff game, he's going to be gone based on the way the season is going. I thought at the beginning of the season, if they went, you know, uh, 10 and 6 and made the, and made the playoffs and then didn't win a game, that there'd still be a path for Jason Garrett to stay. 
but I don't think that that's going to happen anymore. And I think that he will likely be gone, assuming they don't win one or two playoff games. But I, I can't see them firing him before the season ends. Yeah, I I don't want to. Speak. Who do you who do you put in his place? I mean, there's no better. I mean, is there a better option? I don't well, think and we're so. going to have that conversation with Jim Harbaugh later at Michigan yeah. about you know what's what's the better option, and uh, we, we kind of seem to have this this trend in the NFL going towards younger, more offensive minded coordinators that maybe know how to use statistics and analytics. Yep. Uh, shout out to the Redskins there, mm-hmm. who um, I'm alluding to the fact that they don't have an analytics department and are considering investing in one. Um, Might be a good idea. Could be a good idea. Yeah, I, I'm. You know, it, it's pretty clear that you're banging your head against the wall, and, and nothing's changing. So um, maybe they give the reins to Kellen Moore, um, who who may have had some success this year. It seems like he and Dak are doing well together. Just need to kind of figure out that run pass balance. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not sure that. You know. Who who would be a better option? But I, I think short of getting to a Super Bowl, I think Garrett's gone after this year. They they have a short week. I, I guess it is. Uh, I guess it technically a is a week. Yeah, it's it's a normal week. So they they play Chicago uh, Thursday night. So that's that's a big game for both teams. You know, the Bears drop that one. I think their season's over. The Cowboys. I mean. The Redskins are still in the playoff yeah, picture, so we'll talk about that game in a second. But it was it was so the the Cowboys could really use a convincing win at Soldier Field, and the Bills uh, have have a, another tough test going um, hosting Baltimore this Sunday. So we'll see how that goes. Brad, which game you want to talk about next? Should we just I don't talk think... quickly about the Saints game? No, I okay. mean my my one uh, thought. All I will the... say, okay, yeah, no, you go ahead. Sure. Uh, my one thought for the game is that you know the Saints still have a great record looking like they may be playing themselves into into one of the bye but I'm still not you know extremely impressed I know how good this team can be and I I I think a lot of that comes back to Breeze um and and the banged up Mm -hmm. backfield losing Ingram has clearly been huge to them Latavius Murray really hasn't been able to fill in that RB2 spot and and Kamara has struggled at times uh offensive line some some injuries there Michael Thomas uh I'll say that that is the one just uh, old reliable on that team. He looks great, but you know I wouldn't be thrilled about beating the Falcons by eight points. No, I would I would echo all of that. The only thing, other thing I would add is Young Huku with covered three was able to recover three yeah, technically kicks three. at the end of that game, which was uh, after I was you know coming down from my Thanksgiving food hangover. Uh, it was nice to nice to watch how a lot of sidekicks get recovered. Yeah, that was a crazy end to the game. I think, if I remember correctly, that was the first time the two onside kicks have been recovered in about 15, 16 seasons. Yeah. So um, you need a you need a onside kick specialist called call the Falcons. Yeah. Okay. So shall we turn to the Sunday games? Let's go to the Sunday games. So we have. You want to start with the probably I mean, the game of the week? Yeah. So 49ers Ravens. I assume that's where you were going. That actually was. I was surprised you didn't use that as Did an opportunity to, to talk about the game? Patriots. Now but I guess for later. you that wasn't the game of the week. So <laughs> no. uh, let, let's do some reactions from Baltimore. Yeah. So I mean this has been Baltimore's biggest test uh, I would say thus, you know, in, in the second half of the season, since they've really fa- kind of found their stride and gotten rolling, uh, the 49ers defense held them to 20 points, which I believe is their lowest point total in like six or seven weeks. Um, but of course, Lamar Jackson, as he's done every, just about every game this this year, uh, found a way to to make a couple of runs, get a couple of first downs late in the game, and he is just incredible to watch. I mean, the, the 49ers defense did everything right to try to contain him. 
it seemed like. Right, and yeah. They still, still couldn't do their it. Their game plan was was clearly to have him beat them with their legs, with his legs rather. Yeah. Um, they actually kept him. I mean, for Lamar Jackson, a pretty pedestrian uh, passing stat line throwing. I think he came close to running for as many yards as he did passing. Yeah, threw for one hundred five, ran for one hundred and one. So, um, and you know he that's just. Uh, unbelievable in itself. He became the first quarterback with four 100-yard rushing performances in a single season. Um, Crazy. So uh, he's, you know, he's he's the MVP front runner for good reason, especially with that 10 and two record. Uh, I think, and and coupled with the result on Sunday night, just just so you're aware, the Ravens have now taken over the number one seed in the AFC. Yep. So uh, if everything holds, the path to Miami will run through uh, Baltimore. I. But- Things have a way of not holding. <laughs> no, absolutely, and and there's still a lot of football to be be played. Like we uh, just said, they have a tough matchup with Buffalo this uh, this week. So, um, you know, the, the Ravens yeah. winning four more games is anything but a, a foregone but conclusion. But cer- certainly possibility. What did you make of the? You know, this game is 2017. That Ravens high powered offense. The um, the the Niners, you know, yeah, I think strong pretty, defense. Yeah, the the Niners offense, I think, got actually played, you know, pretty well in this game too. Uh, the Ravens defense, I think, has been pretty underrated. Uh, maybe now they they're starting to get the respect they deserved. But you know, that secondary has been playing incredibly. Um, held Jimmy Garoppolo to just 165 yards passing with one TD. Uh, and this game was also played in like a slow sleet rain mix, which I think kind of slowed down both of the offenses. But I, I really, like, I kind of echo what a lot of what Ben said about for, the 49ers defense there. They did what they thought they had to do. They they didn't let Jamar, Lamar Jackson, you know, throw for 300 yards on them, but they also said we're not going to let him run for 300 yards. And they contained him pretty well. They got pressure on him. They, and also, actually, they forced, also sacked him a good number of they times. They forced Jackson to cough up his first yeah. fumble of the year. Uh, it's yeah. it's week 13 in case you're counting. But <laughs> Just, yeah, um, no, I, I was very impressed by by their performance. And I, I think, uh, you know, most would agree in saying that that's the best team in football right now. Um, the the Niners are, are in quite the predicament now with with a win tonight by Seattle. And we're going to preview that game in a, in a couple minutes. Uh, Seattle Seattle hosts the Vikings out west. Mm-hmm. The Niners would go from the number one seed in in the uh, NFC to the number five seed. So yeah, they go from hosting a game and getting that bye week to to playing wild card weekend. So I mean, it really does. Look, I mean. And you look at this on the AFC or the NFC side of the of the of the ball here, and it seems like to be the number one seed, you're going to have to go ten and two, which is crazy. I mean, most years that does, I mean not ten and two, excuse me, you have to go fourteen and two. Right. You can't lose more than two. Which I mean, I mean normally you really don't see that. Like you know, the Patriots, for example, were were ten and one going into last night, and I think that I mean I certainly felt this that if we lost one more game, we were not going to be the number one seed. I mean, you know, there's still a lot of time left, but I would not be shocked at all if um, uh, Baltimore hangs on to that number one spot. Let's uh, we're we're gonna talk about the Patriots, but let's finish up the the early action. Uh, we were talking about how bad the the Cowboys were and how it seems like nobody wants to win the NFC East. What do you think about the Eagles blowing a a fourteen point lead in the in the fourth uh, third quarter? Rather, yeah, I actually I didn't get to, to watch the much of this game as I'd hoped due to my uh, flight situation coming back from Boston with with the snow. But from what I saw, it seems like we finally got a Fitzmagic game. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Through for three TDs, 365 yards, uh, and Carson Wentz actually didn't play terribly, but just you know maybe isn't the guy in Philly, and I think it has a lot of people wondering about whether he really can be their QB. I mean, the Dolphins, a team as has been well documented, has been struggling this year. 
Um, probably had no business being in this game at all. But um, you know, Fitzpatrick kept him in it, and late down the, late, late in the fourth quarter, they scored enough points to win. So let's talk about that for a second. The the Eagles have, for some reason, historically struggled against Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's actually he has been the Eagles with the Dolphins became his seventh team. So no he, way. He's been the Eagles. Uh, I did not with, know that stat. This is now <laughs> on the crazy. seven different teams. So um, he kind of has been the the boogeyman the for, for Philadelphia. So let's talk about Carson Wentz. And, and there are a lot of problems on that team. I mean, the lack of consistency at wide receiver, and, and we've seen that issue for Brady this year. It is undeniably difficult, no matter how good the quarterback is, to um, to be great if you know if he has turnover at wide receiver and isn't on the same page mm-hmm. and your best wide receiver drops every pass you throw to him. Yeah. Um, so Carson Wentz this offseason signs a four-year, $128 million contract extension. Uh, they were the... I'm trying to remember. They were either favorites or co-favorites with Dallas. I think they were slight favorites were, yeah. to win the NFC East. Now they lost. I mean, lost... Wentz was supposed to be fully healthy this year, and then that was supposed to, you know, right. And, and that's back. why people were, you know, cutting him a little slack. We saw that Super Bowl run. He looked. I uh, played at MVP level for about ten games uh, before he got injured, and, and Foles finished the job. Yeah. Uh, first the Patriots. So the Eagles have lost two games in a row. Four yeah. of their last six, and, and let's talk about Wentz during that stretch. He's 22nd in passer rating, 27th in yards per pass attempt, and has fumbled eight times, lost five. Ugh. It's not, I mean, that's that's really, I mean, Wentz, I mean, again, the, I would just hide, Ben, I don't, I don't want to harp on this, but, you know, the Eagles got rid of Foles, who came in and won the Super Bowl and looked great in Wentz's um and well, in the backup role to Wentz, and then Wentz came back and was, you know, supposed to be just as good as ever, and supposed to be their franchise QB again. And he really, this year, ha- even in their wins, has not looked like that at all. They've struggled in the games they've won as well. And I think that you know, definitely, the receiving has a big deal to do with it. I mean, the only guy that he seems to trust is Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, I mean, Zach Ertz was held to only three receptions, striking um, six targets yesterday, and I mean, he's usually their number two. Like that's that's usually the guy that Wentz will go to. And you know, it seems like if you can hold him, then there's nobody else that. He feels comfortable throwing to. Now, and and my my biggest knock on on Wentz throughout his career is I think off talent alone he's definitely one of the best in the league, but he still has a ways to go in terms of managing games. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a playmaking quarterback, and there's no doubt about that. But uh, I, I think, for example, he could he could learn a lot from like what what Lamar Jackson did at the end of that game. I mean, they had six minutes to go on the clock and and granted you can afford to do this when you have one of the most reliable kickers in football yeah. but and all a great, Lamar, and a great running attack too and a great running attack and but the, but the eagles should be sound enough i mean they just they have some of the best offensive linemen in football kelsey mm-hmm. johnson brooks they just gave uh lane johnson a four-year 62 million dollar extension making him the highest paid offensive lineman in nfl history uh Look at that. yeah just what a stat top of the head top of the head uh got a lot of information up here they, with what the Ravens did, they had six minutes, and all they knew, all Lamar needed to do was get that team in field goal position. Whereas I feel like Wentz in that kind of situation would go for the home run play. You try to um, scramble like crazy, and you know he fumbles the ball a lot of times when he does that. Right, and that's what great quarterbacks do. You know what you need to do when you need to do it. You don't always need to throw the sixty-yard touchdown pass. Sometimes you just need to make that accurate three, four-yard pass to set up the. Set up the inside run, set up the play action, whatever, whatever you need to do. But yeah, um, the other thing I'll say about the Dolphins is that defense, which the past few years has really had that kind of a swagger to it, they seem to have lost that entirely. Absolutely, and that secondary still proves to be a mess. Let's let's move on to, to 
Well, let's let's quickly go through a couple of the other yeah, headlines. Sure. Bengals get their first win of the season. Um, Dalton comes back after being benched. Looks, I mean, good good enough to <laughs> yeah. win, I guess. That's sure. The, Sam Darnold uh, looked terrible. Yeah, Darnold. Well, I mean, didn't throw didn't throw a touchdown. No, um, and and I think the Jets are back to being what they thought they we what we thought they were, which is a bad football team. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's let's take a quick minute to talk about the Titans. I feel like that's a team. Shout out to to our friend Preet Singh. Hello, Preet. Major major FOP, friend of the program. Um, Tannehill has looked great, and <laughs> yeah. and really that Titans team has looked great over these uh, since Mariota was benched for Tannehill. Do you have any stats to back that up, Ben? I do have some. I stats. had a feeling. So the Titans coming off a, a 31-17 win, some huge special teams plays, some blocked field goals, including one return for. They, uh, the game was tied at 17. They blocked a Vinatieri field goal, ran yeah, it back Vin- for six. I, you you, you got to feel bad for Vinatieri. I mean, he had two blocked field goals in this game, and he missed another one. I I mean, he he has no business kicking in the NFL, and it is really sad. He's one of the all-time greats. He should be a, a Hall of Famer. All right, quick question. Who does he go into the Hall of Fame with, Patriots or Colts? That's a great question. I mean, if I were him, I'd say Patriots. Yeah, I think so, too. Um but I think has he spent more time yeah, in more, Indianapolis more seasons now? at Indy now because he's been there the past whatever, seven years. But uh, I think more points with the Patriots and um, obviously more Super Bowls because you know we win all the Super Bowls. Um, I think that was even before the cheating. Well, it was during. <laughs> it. Anyways, so the Titans since since Tannehill took the reins have won five of six, and has I mean if you were to give an MVP award for the past six weeks, I I think it would still be Lamar Jackson, but Tannehill would absolutely be in the top five but conversation. Super under the radar. Seventy one point nine completion percentage, twelve to three touchdown interception ratio, hundred seventeen point one rating, and Derrick Henry running like an absolute animal, hundred twenty, uh, almost one hundred twenty one yards since since they changed to Tannehill. This team is is still on the edge of the playoff picture. Um, I believe they so at seven and five yeah, right are, now. Are they in they, a wild card spot right now? No, they they They're don't have the they don't have the tiebreaker right now. They don't have the t- okay, that's what it is. So so right now uh, the Steelers do have the tiebreaker. Right, over. T- same record as the Steelers, but but the tiebreaker right now is ten is based on best win percentage in conference games. So that you know that's a that's a tiebreaker that could easily change. It's not a head to head. Type of a matchup where you know uh, Pittsburgh has beaten Tennessee. Or no, absolutely, like and I mean the so they're a game a game behind Houston. They still play Houston twice. So, oh yeah. So those the, those division, games, yeah. the Titans do have a, a tough end of the season going on the road versus Oakland, uh, a home and home with with Houston, uh, weeks what, fifteen and seventeen, and then hosting the Saints. Uh, but the Saints may have all but locked things up by that point, locked up the bye. So so we'll. Yeah. We'll have to see how that turns out, but this this Titans team is not exactly one that I would like to play in the the playoffs. They're just playing really great football on all sides of the ball, uh, all three phases. So yeah, um, forced some turnovers as well. Got two picks off Brissett, who has been struggling the past couple of weeks, especially without Hilton in the lineup. So um, I, I think again, not a team I would want to play, and and we'll see how they're able to finish down the stretch. The the last uh, maybe noteworthy thing to happen in the NFL. Uh, during during the early games, Gardner Minshew uh, replaces Nick Foles, the alleged Didn't you know help. quarterback of of the future in in Jacksonville, and and he is to start for the rest of the season. I think let's spend why don't why don't we do our our PSA quickly? Sure, and, and then, then we'll we'll do the the Pats Texans game and wrap up with college football. Sure, yeah. The one other final game I I mentioned before that 
as a uh, Brown Steelers, uh, <laughs> Rudolph has gotten his revenge uh, with the Steelers being the Browns. Classic case of the Browns just not being able to put it together and you know spending more time picking out their T-shirts before the game, it seemed, than actually preparing. No, it's a, it's a perfect example of the difference between a well-run organization and a good head coach. Sometimes those two things can be much more valuable than talent. I think uh, many teams would falter and, and give up you know, the season after losing your quarterback, losing one of the two of the best offensive players in the game and in the offseason and, and Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. And the way everything's unfolded, I think it's incredible that Tomlin was able to do what he was able oh, to yeah. do these past couple of years with those two. Um, they could be playing in uh, in January. And, and like we said, they're going to be fighting with that those Texans, uh, the Texans and Titans for that sixth yeah. spot. So uh, no, yeah, nothing nothing is decided in the playoff picture yet. We'll play for you a quick PSA and then head to the Pats game. Yep. How much physical activity do you get? The average adult is supposed to get at least two and a half hours of moderate aerobic activity and two days of muscle strengthening exercises per week. That sounds like a ton of time for the average college student trying to balance homework, internships, studying, clubs, friends, and sleeping, right? Well, if you break up your exercise routine into a few minutes here and there each week, it becomes way more manageable and you'll feel stronger, healthier, and more focused. Some easy ways to do this are taking the stairs instead of the elevator, going to a fun dance class at the ERC, or enjoying the great outdoors by running or biking on the Lake Artemisia Trail. And we are back. This is the Angie River Report on WMUC Digital, College Park. Ben, let's get back into it. Quick talk about the Pats game and then maybe move to some college football. Yeah, sure. So, so Brad, as our resident Patriots fan, uh, what were your takeaways from, from the loss in NRG State? Yeah, uh, a lot to unpack from this game from the Pats, who, you know, who, who've had a struggling offense for the past few games. <clears throat> Defense had been looking great. Uh, you know, first, get a preface this game by saying that this was the flu game. A lot of guys were sick. Whether that actually made a difference on the field, I don't know. I have a little cold right now. Don't know if you can hear it. I'm here in the studio podcasting. He looks great. Radioing as, oh, you're too kind, Ben. You know, just wanted to pat myself on the back there for a second. But yeah, I mean, again, a, a, another uninspiring performance for the Patriots offense. And I'm while I'm not going to say that I'm fully worried yet, the fact that it looks like we may have to play Baltimore in Baltimore in January or in late December um, does have me a bit uneasy. Uh, that said, you know, the Patriots are still the Patriots until someone dethrones them. Uh, they're still going to be my pick to win that AFC and to go on to the Super Bowl and have a very good chance to win that as well. You know, Bel- Belichick has been able to do things that we didn't think possible before against teams that the Patriots were, ne- were never supposed to beat. So as long as he's our coach and as long as we still have Brady, you know, I, I, I still have some, there's still some hope. But the offense, you know, really seems to be struggling, especially with the fact that nobody seems to want to catch the ball for Tom Brady when he actually does make an accurate pass. And those those are few and far between. I, I had the opportunity to watch that game. Um, I think the final score is a bit misleading. The, the Texans held the Patriots to, to what, to, to three points through the first three quarters, about the first three quarters? Uh, the, the Patri- six, the, it was nine. We had nine points through three quarters. Nine points, yeah, it was a late no third-quarter touchdown. Yeah. No, it was a touchdown oh, yeah, missed extra point. point. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. And, and the Patriots kicking yeah, was, was is cool. another storyline uh, to be continued. Not having the reliability of Guskowski outside of Miami um, mm-hmm. is could be a problem going forward. Um, at, at the end of the day, the, you know, and, and Brady said it best after the game, 
there are issues that need to be addressed, but they're ten and two, not two and ten. Um, yeah, I mean, as it always is with the Patriots when they lose a game like this, you'll you'll go on to first take it, and people you think that the world is burning and that the whole organization is crumbled. We we you know we are still ten and two. That said, there are definitely some things that need to be worked on, as Brady mentioned and as Ben just talked about. But people will talk about the you know the dynasty being over as they do every time the Patriots lose, and I think that that is it's too early for that talk. Is the quarterback play of Tom Brady troubling to you? Um, or do you think, and, and I, I kind of alluded to this earlier, the the turnover at wide receiver, bringing in Sanu, losing, bringing in, losing Brown. Losing um, Gordon. Losing Gordon. Yeah, it is, it's troubling. Um, I, I, yeah, I think what's more troubling to me is not only the fact that like Brady has looked a little bit inaccurate at times, but the fact that him and their receivers just seem to be all on different pages. One of the things that you'll see with Patriots teams is that, you know, Brady posts videos on his Instagram of them doing all this offseason work just to make sure that they're on the same page with the receivers. And Belichick really stresses that even if we don't have the most talented receiver, we'll at least, you know, we'll get them in the right spots, we'll run the right plays, and we'll get them open. And it seems like every time Brady makes a throw, he you they, they pan to him in the huddle, and he's just screaming at somebody being like, you ran the wrong route, or, you know, this was, a, this was an X kind of, kind of a zone, and they ran a Y kind of a route. And what's, that's what's concerning to me is that they're just, you know, 12 weeks into the season, there still seems to be a disconnect. Yeah, and, um, you know, looking through his stats, Brady is, I think that's 17th in QBR, so he is, um, you know, he's he's just ahead of, of, you know, like a Jameis Winston, Baker Mayfield, Daniel Jones, mm-hmm. um, and then you look at overall rating, uh, sandwiched between Josh Allen and Phillip Rivers, two guys that... Um, Allen, who's had a more impressive season, probably on the ground than through the air, and River, Rivers, who has really uh, struggled throughout the course of the yeah, year. And I mean, well. again, credit. What, what did you think of the Pats' defense in this game? Um, you know, they they've played two great offenses this year. Um, in in my opinion, they played Houston and Baltimore, uh, Baltimore and looked. I don't want to necessarily. I think helpless would be a little bit of a overassessment, but I think that'd be um, way overassessment. I would say struggled. Would yeah, you be comfortable I, with struggled? I think they struggled comparatively to when they played the Jets, but the whole, you know, I mean, they, they held them to to twenty eight points. It wasn't like a, I mean, they gave the offense a chance to win the game. Well, and, first of all, I mean, I feel like that that Texans team really did um, take the their foot off the gas towards the end of the game, but it was more in the way that the Texans were able to score. Um, yeah, they converted in the passing game. Downs so, too, which so the the strength the strength of that Patriots defense, in my opinion, this year has been their pasty. Um, we saw Gilmore get burned a couple times. Uh, we saw some some blown coverages, which is atypical for that Patriots defense. A lot of you know Deshaun Gilmore got beat many times. I say Gilmore. Oh, yeah, sorry, I missed sorry. Um, yeah, Gilmore got beat a few times, and uh, just a lot of deep throws where. Um, you know, there should have been a play on the ball and the Texans wide receiver was able to sneak behind the coverage. You know, I I worry about a team such as a Baltimore, and we, we really saw their struggles earlier this year. Um, what's going to happen when you have a team that can beat you on uh, in three levels in offense with a typical ground game and then with a quarterback who can both run and pass? Deshaun didn't even, uh, I mean, they had that crazy trick play at the end of the game. Yeah, that, that was kinda, stupid. Um, I, I don't know. That made me very upset. Yeah, I, I don't know who, you know, I, I don't think that's really a indicative of the kind of defense. I think that's just a schoolyard gimmicky play that, that happened to yeah, work yeah, out. Yeah, I agree. Um, but no, I mean, a lot to build on for the Patriots, uh, but still 10-2, and two, still, you know, still have a, a solid lead um, in division. But that said, I mean, Buffalo is, is right there. So that game 
Uh, Patriots play the Buffalo Buffalo at home in two weeks. That'll be a big game, I think, for to lock up the division. Um, so let's let's wrap up our NFL talk quickly tonight. We have the Vikings and the Seahawks. The Minnesota travels uh, to the windy, or sorry, to the rainy city. Is that what they call Seattle? The uh, the Amazon city. Maybe Starbucks. Starbucks city. We're gonna. I get... don't know. Either way, they go to, they go to Seattle. Um, the and... Emerald City. Oh, that not in my guess. Maybe that's why they wear the green. All right, we're piecing things together here. But uh, Brad, we have. We have a big matchup for for the Seahawks. They have the opportunity to go in first place uh, in that NFC West. Right now, both teams' playoff chances are upwards of 93%, uh, but San Francisco has a significantly harder schedule over over the rest of the season, and and Seattle, it looks like, has um, a better than 60% chance of winning the division if they're able to get it done tonight. Yeah, I think this game being in Seattle gives a huge leg up to the Seahawks. I think they'll win because of that, and that's a, a notoriously difficult place to play. It's going to be cold. It's going to be rainy, as we just mentioned. Um, I mean, that said, the you know Minnesota has really relied on their ground game a lot, which probably won't struggle quite as much in the wind and the rain. But you know, the Seahawks having a lot to play for, I, th- I think they'll get it done. That was that's what's been. It's just been the tale of two locations, or I guess the tale of many locations for Seattle. They're they're only three and two at home, but undefeated six and zero on the road. Um, whereas Minnesota has actually played some. Uh, you know, has struggled on on the road as well. So, so this is going to be a good matchup, two good teams, and and both two teams with a lot to play for. Uh, and one last thing to note uh, is that the New Orleans became the first team to clinch a spot in the playoffs this year, winning the NFC South uh, already. So, with that, let's move on to college football. We had rivalry week this week. Yeah, um, a bunch of a bunch of big games. We had the Iron Bowl, Alabama and Auburn. Uh, Paul Bunyan Axe Bowl. Yeah, the gover- I think there's like four different bowl games called like the Governor's Bowl or the President's tr- or you know. Yeah. Uh we only have a couple minutes here, so so Brad, why don't you what do you think was the uh, biggest game of the week? Oh, the I well, I think that the, the biggest game of the week probably was the Iron Bowl. I think that I mean this Alabama will not be in the playoff for the first time in what, four years? The first time in the college oh, football. College football playoff. playoff, yeah. So this, I think that, that yeah, was this is year five. You know, and Mac Jones actually came in, played pretty well, pretty well in that game. But you know, great comeback kind of by Auburn. It was just a, really a, a very exciting back and forth game. The, the lead changed like six times in the second half or something like that. Great game. There was, you know, Saban obviously one of one of the best coaches uh, in the game and and of all time. But I think we we may have seen him out coached on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I mean, well. The, if you remember that the, one of the things I found crazy about this game was at the end of the first half was this weird field goal drama thing. No, where, and, and Alabama did get uh, where they got screwed. They lost by three points. So they did get screwed over there. But but at the end of the game, the Auburn rolling out that uh, that interesting punt formation where they had the punter, um, you know, lined up wide, and so it looked like they only had. Um, you know, eleven. Sorry, yeah, only ten, 10 men, 10, yeah. and then the cause confusion on the Bama sideline, causing them to take an illegal substitution penalty, and and yeah. thus uh, taking the opportunity for Alabama to drive down the field one last time away. Um, no level of concern for Alabama. It is funny because um, <laughs> Saban has had you know pretty much in the two thousands his one 
championships with quarterbacks like Mac Jones. Uh, you know, that's, Matt... that's traditionally who he's done it with. Right. I this... mean, Sab- Saban's never been the guy that's that's had a Deshaun Watson, a Lamar Jackson type. No, of I mean, there, I don't think there's any question that Tua is, is the best quarterback that Saban's had in his entire tenure at Bama. Um, so you know, there's so much talent on other on at all positions and. Um, I'm I'm excited to see some fresh faces in the college football playoff. We uh, we have a huge matchup uh, in the SEC uh, in Atlanta this weekend uh, coming up. Georgia and LSU for the SEC championship. Both teams. And it looks like Georgia may have finally. I mean, Georgia Tech obviously not a great team, but Georgia may have finally fixed their offense, scoring 52 points against Georgia Tech and really rolling there through through you know really rolling through Georgia Tech. So I think and and let's let's spend the. Uh, you know, let, let's talk briefly about, about Michigan and Ohio State. Yes. Ohio State just absolutely taking it to Michigan. Michigan did get on the board like did first. did last year and the year before and, and the, the year before. five years. This is seven straight? Uh, well, four with Har- five with Harbaugh. Five with Harbaugh and, and I think, I think two, two before, before that. Yeah. So I, I've heard arguments on, on both sides. I actually, you know, was, was talking to one of my good friends from Michigan about this game. You know, the question is, what is a better option than Harbaugh, and to that I say I agree. I'm I'm not sure who you could bring in immediately that would be able to, you know, such a high profile head coach. Um, you know, maybe maybe the move for them going forward is shaking up the coordinators. Uh, but but this is the first time. So Harbaugh didn't, did that this year. Didn't they get a new offensive coordinator this year that was supposed to totally reinvent the offense and it didn't work out? It clearly didn't work out, and that team did. Um, look rejuvenated towards the end of the season, albeit uh, you know that Ohio State drubbing. Yeah, I, I I don't know where they go from here. Losing senior quarterback Shea Patterson, they do have some interesting options, um, and they do have they do have a lot of I guess relative youth uh, in in the backfield and and at some of the other skill positions. So yeah. they they do need to replace the quarterback. But losing fifty six twenty seven at home to a to a sellout crowd against a team who you haven't yeah. beaten. I mean, uh, the thing is also like if, if Harbaugh gets fired, he's gonna get he's gonna get another job instantly. Instantly. I mean, so that you know, where does he yeah, end up? Does he end USC up in, does he or end up in the Big Ten know, still or something? I mean, FSU Michigan State or who? Yeah, thrilled who knows. To, to have him. So I, I mean, I think that there's a very strong argument to to for firing him. He was he literally he really did. He came to Michigan to do one thing, and it was to beat Ohio State. Right, which is basically in turn making the college football playoff. I mean, if you sure, if you but can't even beat the like best this year there. they they wouldn't have made the college football playoff, but. People, there, nobody would have talked about firing Harbaugh if he could have won this game. No, probably not. But I think the a lot of the talk leading into this week was, well, if he doesn't beat Ohio State again, should he be fired? And I think you have to give him probably another two, three years. I mean, again, I don't think there's a better option. Um, give him a time to get another great recruiting yeah, class in and see what he can do. Um, let's talk about about our college football playoff. Yeah. So this week, the the biggest game, so we have that. That Big Ten championship, Wisconsin uh, beating Minnesota handily to clinch a spot, uh, winning the West, so to play Ohio State. And then we have a Big 12 championship, Oklahoma-Baylor, and the possibility of Utah, um, who who will play Oregon in the Pac-12 to to get a spot. So I'm going to read through some playoff probabilities real quick. Clemson with the win is at 93%, Ohio State 85%, and then— This is to get in or to win? Uh, to to make the playoff, I don't know about that. Ninety three with a win, Ohio State eighty five. Well, right now, so going into the, the conference championship, eighty five. Sure. LSU sixty four, Oklahoma fifty six, 
Oh, this, this isn't 46. with a win. This is just a, their chance to make it. Through. Right, right. Okay, sorry. okay, that makes way more sense. I was gonna say if Clemson and Ohio State win, it's a hundred and ten percent chance that they are in. Right. In so I think, I think LSU beats Georgia. I think so too. Handily. I don't know. I, I think that it'll be closer to people think. I think Georgia has a really good defense, and I think that I, I mean LSU offense has been high flying as well. But I think if Georgia can find a way to put some points on the board like they did this week. I think LSU will still win by at least a touchdown, but I don't know that they're going to roll through them by 21. So Georgia Georgia will be missing one of their star receivers for the first yeah, half after he got an allocation. DeAndre a Swift a little banged up. So I think it's, it's I think point. that team could struggle, and, and LSU has just been absolutely rolling. Um, I expect Utah to win, and uh, Oklahoma's always an enigma. This this Baylor game, they, one of the best defenses they played all year, and, and they struggled with Baylor earlier this year. So I could see that game going either way. Uh, Georgia with a loss is absolutely done. Yep. I think if, you know, let's say Georgia wins, I think Georgia and LSU are in. So it would, I, yeah, I think, would I think honestly, Ohio seating. State, even with a loss, is probably in. Right. So, so let's play through, and we only have uh, about two more minutes here. Clemson winning, Ohio State winning, LSU winning. Who gets the fourth spot? So your options, I guess, are. Yeah, Georgia, um, Utah, Oklahoma. So two lost Georgia, conf- one lost conference champions in Oklahoma or Utah. I think it has to be one of those two. I think if Georgia loses, they're out. I definitely agree with you there. And I, I mean, I think that honestly, it, as bad as it sounds, it might come down to who can be look more convincing in their conference championship game. If Utah goes out and beats Oregon by thirty, and Oklahoma only wins by a field goal, that might, you know, that might be the deciding factor for the committee. Both those teams, I think, have pretty similar resumes, have played pretty similar caliber of teams. So I, I don't know what else would differentiate them. Yeah, I, you know, it, it's really hard to say. I mean, I think the Big 12 is a stronger conference with teams like Oklahoma State, Iowa State, you know, Texas, where, you know, some some mediocre to good teams, whereas Oregon is the only semblance of a competitive team uh, other than Utah in the Pac-12, sure. even with their historic uh, defense averaging sure. less than, I think, 11 points a game. So Yeah, they still are ranked ahead of them. I mean, as of this point, so it's you know, not nothing is certain. We wanna we wanna end the show giving shout outs to uh, some some uh, some news from around the globe. We have uh, Lionel Messi and Megan Rapino winning the uh, esteemed Balloon d'Or go award. Go USA, go go USA. The only time an American will win that award. Yep. Um, I think that's our show today. Yeah, I think I'm trying to think. That was yeah, that was. That's really didn't you want you didn't want to do your Luka Doncic you know tell me how, everyone how much you love him for fifteen seconds no we're gonna we're gonna save that for next week thank you everybody for <laughs> listening and we will see you next Monday thanks everybody. Mm-hmm.